0: Welcome back to Spook for Anarchy. We are on our fourth episode of our five-part masterclass with the iconic and genius Jan Marini. I am super, super excited to be bringing you guys another episode in the series. And today's episode is actually very special because we are going to be walking through, or rather Jan is going to be walking me through a, a proper scientific-based approach toward, like toward with her consultation. So, um, you know, have a seat. Have a listen and just follow along. But I'm really excited to do this with you, Jan. This is going to be so fun. Hi, Ekta. Hi. Welcome, Jan. I'm sorry. I didn't I, pro- I didn't properly uh, No, this. this is
1: this is gonna be so fun. This is yeah. I, it's always really exciting to do this. And you know, um, one of the things that your audience can think about as I go through the steps with you, you know, put yourself in Ectus Place, and you can kind of answer the same questions, because this process is about finding solutions. And, you know, um, I always say, I don't need another product. I want a solution. And it's, it's about what it is that concerns you about your skin. And I have to tell you, you're going to kind of resonate with this when we go through the process. But, you know, when I talk to oftentimes, many spas and physician offices. And I say, Sake, so tell me, how do you start the conversation when you want to talk about product? Yeah. And nine times out of 10, they'll say, well, I ask them, what don't you like about your products? Well, what if somebody says, I don't know, I like my products just fine. Where yeah. do you go from there? So then they avoid the whole conversation. And, you know, you never start out, you shouldn't see a practitioner that starts a conversation about product. It should always be about what you're concerned about. So you want to get started? Yeah, let's do it. I'm so excited. Yeah. So number one question, I'm going to ask you literally the most important question. And I always ask it exactly like this. And that is if there was something you could change or improve about your skin, what would it be?
0: If I could, um, I think it would be definitely my pore size because it's always changing, and it's always fluctuating, and it impacts how my makeup looks, it impacts how my skin looks, even if I'm not wearing makeup, like with even with SPF on, um, th- or and also, like, that is also for me associated with um, dullness, I guess you could say, and, and the days where I noticed that, I noticed my skin is also looking more dull, so that would be a biggest
1: concern okay so pore size and dullness where do you and where do you think you have larger pores
0: it's right around my um right underneath my eye area um right by on the cheeks right by your nose you know okay so sort
1: of that inner cheek area yes okay um and so dullness and then um anything else you'd like to change or improve
0: yeah, you know, it's like I've noticed that when I, like with aging, right? We talk about aging and how your skin changes. And I've definitely gone through that. You know, I notice my skin um, on certain days is like very, very, very balanced. But then on other days, it's going to be super oily. And then on some days, it's just going to be dry patches everywhere. So that balance and that homeostasis, I can never achieve that, like ever. Like I, I it doesn't matter what I do. I just always have this, this, you know, constant back and forth. And it's, it, I've noticed it for many years now. And I'm always thinking, you know, maybe it's age, maybe it's, but yeah, that's, I think something um, I definitely struggle with every single day. You know, it's it's like, I wake up to a new face every day.
1: <laughs> okay. And anything else? Like, for example, uh, do you have any discoloration, brown spots? Do you have any um, uh, acne breakouts at all? So
0: I did have acne growing up and one of my biggest concerns, I'm glad you mentioned that because one of my biggest concerns has always been the um, more indentation scars, like the pick scarring. And I don't have pick scarring really like the picks anymore, but they're still a little bit there and nothing I do really gets rid of them. And some days they're actually worse, like in terms of like, just the texture is just it's worse than other days. So that's something I think I've been concerned about pretty much my whole life. Life, you know now that if i thought about it yeah
1: so let me ask you are, are they actually ice pick scars or do you just have some some compromised like indentations etc i think there it's the latter the the compromised indentations and they're just on my
0: outer cheek areas you know it's like I can tell this is where I used to break out when I was a teenager okay. and you know it used to be much worse but then you know with time it's gotten I guess better but it's still there and it's always been such a concern for me you okay. know in terms
1: of everything like makeup and, and you don't you don't break out at all currently
0: No, I rarely break out. Like, you know, I'll have my, you know, usual menstrual cycle associated, you know, breakouts here and there, but it's nothing like it used to be. I used to have actually cystic acne when I was a teenager and I, I, it just, it, you know, it was fixed and I have had it since then. So
1: when you break out during your menstrual cycle, is it kind of on the chin and jawline area?
0: it is actually yeah especially on the chin area like and it's not even like um you know just when you think about your chin like the the front of it it's the side like the jaw and underneath the chin that's the most common area for me to break out or other place is going to be right on that cheek area where I told you about my pores that's the other place those two places are the only places I break out okay yeah
1: and are you a smoker
0: but I did smoke in of the past, I'm not gonna
1: lie. Okay, but not now. Not now, no. Okay, how about were you ever a sunbather?
0: Um, no, I never did sunbathing ever. Okay. And
1: um another question about when you had cystic acne as a teenager, um, when did it really start to kind of dissipate or improve? So
0: when I had cystic acne I- Basically, I went through The whole process, you know, I know we had spoken earlier about you had, you know, tried Accutane and it hadn't worked for you. And like, for me, it was similar in the sense of, I never went on Accutane, but it was, I went to a dermatologist, they put me on doxycycline, you know, the antibiotic therapy for just, I guess, standard for acne. And I was on that for about five years, you know, it was like throughout high school, I was on it. Um, You know, it, it just, it's something I, I think for me, I just stopped going down that route, you know, it was something I I started to realize like, okay, my acne is getting to a point where I'm controlling it now in the sense of, you know, I'm I'm cleansing my face better or whatever I was doing at the time. And so I just kind of told my dermatologist, I was like, you know, I'm just, I'm going to stop taking this medication. You know, I don't want to always be pumping my body with antibiotics. So around that time is when I noticed that, you know, the antibiotics stopped and the acne did get better. So, so it was after high
1: school, after high school?
0: After high school. Yep. Right before college started. Yep. So like 18, like 17, 18 years old.
1: Okay. I'm just writing seven. Okay. Um.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think it's a, it's interesting ask that you asked that, you know, such an interesting, like, I remember the dermatologist even saying, you know, when you turn 18, it starts to subside. And I was like, well, I don't know. We'll see.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. It's very interesting because, you know, you've heard me say before, there are people that didn't have acne as a teenager and all of a sudden they get it in their twenties or thirties and other people who were, their acne kind of went away and then later on, and maybe they're in their twenties, thirties, forties or beyond. And all of a sudden it's, it's back again. Okay. Let's talk about what you use currently. So what do you wash with in the morning?
0: In the morning, I am right now loving, um, Dr. Koo, her, uh, her, it's an exfoliating cleanser. Um, it's very gentle. So I just use that in the mornings or sometimes on. And I'll just use water in the mornings because my skin is not, it doesn't feel like there's too much, you know, anything on it. So I'll cleanse with just water and then I'll wipe it away with a toner, you know, just to like fix it. But that's pretty much my cleansing routine every morning is either that cleanser or just water.
1: And by the way, so listeners notice that what we just went through where I was really asking her focusing on nothing but concerns and asking her questions about those concerns. And um, so th- there's a reason and I'll get you in a minute why I'm asking her about what she uses currently. And so what do you, what do you do after you cleanse?
0: So after I cleanse, I'm a huge fan of like, I guess they're the new spray form of toners. You could call them. And okay. the reason, I really love those products because after I cleanse, no matter what it is, whether it's, even if it's just water, and after I pat my skin dry with a towel, I always feel like it's, it's dry, you know, like it needs something like some, some moisture immediately. So I usually just mist my face with um, my favorite toner mist. Um, Right now, I love the um, Irene Forte mist. I'm, I've been using Maria's mist, so something like that, you know, and I'll mist my face and I'll just let it dry naturally. Um, And then something
1: in there, does it have any alpha hydroxy acids or is it strictly just hydrating?
0: It's just hydrating. Um, there's no acid at all in there. No.
1: Okay. And what do you do after the spray toner?
0: So after the toner, after it dries down, I'll uh, use one serum. So I'll use a hydrating serum. Usually it's the hyaluronic acid um, or something that contains um, a good amount of hyaluronic acid in it. Because um, for me, you know, I don't know, I guess for me, serums are kind of like just a one and done And I use one serum and that's, you know, I'll pat pat it into my skin uh, and then I'll apply my moisturizer and then obviously my SPF on top of that.
1: Okay. And then, so your SPF and you're doing an SPF, what's the SPF number?
0: SPF 50.
1: Okay. And any particular brand on the SPF?
0: Yes. Revive. I've been using Revive's SPF for a while now, actually.
1: Okay. So that's, that's pretty much your daytime routine. Now at night, do you do the same cleanser? um nighttime yes yeah I use the same cleanser um
0: and night actually a much more in-depth routine for me (laughs) so I'm sorry
1: say it again what
0: my nighttime routine is actually way more in-depth like it's just it's just more you know because I have more time and I have you know
1: (laughs) so what do you do after the cleanser at night
0: Oh, so night, um, I'll do, you know, I'll do a toner. Um, at night, a lot of times I'll use like a glycolic, um, acid toner. Like for example, Ren skincare has one that I really enjoy. So I'll use that and I'll, you know, use a face, uh, cotton swab and I'll just kind of pat it on my skin and just kind of clear everything off and then let that dry. And then I really go in at night with serum. So I'm, I'm a huge sm- at night so
1: a serum that you do during the day. Um,
0: yeah, so I definitely do the hyaluronic um, at night as well, but then at night, I'm also using things like, um, for example, uh, there's a serum I really love uh, that's called, it, it's basically for evening out your skin tone by Dr. Koo, and I've been using that um, in terms of just pigmentation overall, because w- what I've noticed that with my skin is that although I'm a woman of color and we are prone to hyperpigmentation, as I'm, I mean, you know more than I do, is I don't have hyperpigmentation but what I do have is this like I always feel like my skin is not even you know like it's not an even canvas so I've been using that serum and also I'll put on my retinol at night so that's usually like always you know kind of combined together like mashed together and just put it on
1: okay and then um tell me what retinol you're using so, the retinol I'm using is the
0: one by Dr. Koo. It's uh, 5,000 international units, I believe, is on the bottle.
1: Now, is it uh, actually retinol, or when they say 5,000 units, you're usually talking about vitamin A, but not, not a retinoid?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a retinol, uh, like vitamin A. Let me see exactly what it says on the bottle. So, I'm not. I'm
1: not it might be vitamin A palmitate, which is very different.
0: Yeah. So it says uh, pH optimal uh, retinol, 8,000 international units, um, level four. So this is for level four and the actives are buffered retinol uh, B3, uh, hexyl, oh my God, I can't even pronounce this one. Hexyl resocrinol. Okay, that's okay.
1: Okay. And then anything after that? Um, And then is that after that a lotion that- or is that a cream? it's a cream. It's a cream-based uh, serum. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to mention something. I want to go back to concerns because um, I had asked you if you have any, you know, discoloration or anything like that. And then you mentioned about your skin never feels even. So one thing I want to let you know is that every single person on the face of the earth by the age of 35 will have abnormal pigment. And mm-hmm. if you don't have obvious areas where you see contrasting you know discoloration where there's like brown spots and and then there's sort of normal skin tone there's something called background pigment and background pigment if you take a picture of somebody when they're 20 and then look take another picture when they're 30 or 35 or etc it's where the skin doesn't have that crisp clarity like you're talking about where it just looks very uniform and it's also known as a tinnic bronzing and that's just cumulative sun exposure so that's something else that it's that's really good that we can address as well so I just want to kind of make an aside about that okay so everyone one of the reasons why I asked the question about what somebody uses it's not because I want to criticize their choice of products because number one you know when you somebody says to you what are your concerns and you list your concerns well then how's this working for you <laughs> and the second thing is is that it gives us an idea of how much time someone spends on their skin. You know, if, if, if you had said, well, I wake up and, you know, I, I ask you what you use in your face and you said, well, soap, what kind of soap? I don't know. Whatever I steal from the hotel. And then what else do you do? That's it. Well, we kind of have to consider how much time you're willing to put into your skin, but you obviously care about your skin and you're spending some time on it. And you also have, you you want to do something that's really going to make a difference. Okay. So let's go back and let's talk about your concerns. And let's talk, first of all, I want to start off with the pore size. Okay. So pore size is influenced by a couple of different things. Now, one has to do with retentive matter. So even though you don't break out or you break out rarely, there's no cure for acne. So the tendency to acne is still there. And the beginning of the acne process is where the cells lining the inside of the follicle, and they're very much like the cells on the outside of your skin, they stick together instead of being pushed to the top. So normally oil, the, the, the cells go into the follicle and the oil pushes them to the top and they sit there and they fall off. That's a normal process. Well, in individuals that have acne, we don't exactly understand why these cells stick together. Yeah. And a very mild form of acne, very mild, it's still acne, but it's a very mild form of acne is where they stick together, stick together, stick together, causes your follicle to dilate. And so it's, it's really kind of like a clogged follicle in a way. And it doesn't mean that you're going to see like an obvious lesion, or you're going to see a red spot or a nodule or anything like that. Now, the second thing that influences follicles is that your follicle has collagen around it. So your dermis is about 80% collagen and your dermis gives the skin its firm foundation. And so the dermis kind of acts like spanks around your follicle. It gives it this rigid structure and it keeps that follicle nice and tight. Now, what happens starting pretty much at the age of 20, we start to lose collagen. And we lose around 1% to 2% a year, but lifestyle, diet, stress, all of the things that we encounter every day, sun exposure, even incidental sun exposure causes that collagen to lessen even faster. You know, when somebody gets into their 50s, 60s, 70s and beyond, they can have lost as much as 60 to 70% of their collagen. That looks pretty bad. But what happens is it's kind of like your spanks giving out. So your follicle doesn't have that rigid, same rigid structure. So you've got those two things going on now. Let's get, and I'll I'll get kind of to the the solution shortly, but let's talk a little bit about the dullness. Now, so what, on the outside of your skin, the stratum corneum, as we get older, it thickens. Your dermis thins. So you want a really thin, compact stratum corneum. You know, when you look at a teenager's skin, when you look at a baby's skin and you marvel at how just incredibly, refined and radiant, it looks, and you don't even see the pores. And so those cells that are lying on the outside of your skin, they're supposed to lie like shingles on a roof in a very uniform manner. And in between those cells, you have substances, hyaluronic acid, and mucopolysaccharides, and ceramides, and phospholipids. And that's what gives the skin volume, and it gives it barrier function, so it's protective. But it also, again, makes it look plump and radiant and just really Beautifully reflective and refined. Okay. And so, as we age, that stratum corneum begins to build up hmm. and it starts to look dull. Now, it can actually also emphasize your follicle openings, your pores. So, it kind of highlights the fact that maybe they're a little larger than you want them to be. And depending on, you know, again, lifestyle and how much sleep you've had, some days it's better and some days it's worse. But the primary reason for that is this buildup of dead cells. And it's even medically known as increased corneocyte cohesion. And those cells actually harden and they cornify. So there are times where your skin can feel really dry because you're actually sensing or you're seeing though that hard, that dead dry outer layer. And there's other times where you can have more oil breakthrough. And so in a sense, you can be kind of oily and dry at the same time, but you're really not dry. It's that dead cell buildup. And um, so we, again, what we want is we want a very thin compact stratum corneum and we want a a really um, nice, robust dermis. Now, the other thing, when you talk about your scarring from acne, so when people have acne, there's Essentially, kind of three types of breakouts, if we sort of oversimplify it. So, think about this in your follicle, you've got these dead cells building up, right? right. They build up and they build up, and you start to see in a large follicle. But when you get into inflammatory acne, what happens is there is C acne bacteria, which essentially is harmless. It's part of your body, it's not an infection. You can't catch it, you don't spread it. But in the follicle, where it gets trapped in those dead cells and the oil gets trapped, it Eats the oil, it secretes a fatty acid byproduct. Now, that fatty acid byproduct actually wears down your follicle walls, causes your follicles to leak or rupture or blow out. If everything stayed in your follicle, you never break out. Right. So, if you get a leak near the top of the follicle, you're going to have a little, like a red bump, a papule, maybe turns into a pustule, nothing too serious. If you get a blowout, or I, I should say, if you get a, yeah, kind of a, um, a rupture, That's more in the middle of the follicle. It's lower, more inflammation goes outside. It's a larger opening. You're going to have more of a nodule or a mini cyst, the hard underground lesions. Now, if the literally the whole side of your follicle blows up, like it did when you were a teenager, then you're going to have more material outside and it's going to be deeper and it's going to actually hit the dermis and a scar is an injury to the dermis. So as it makes its way to the surface, it destroys collagen and elastin, and that's why you scar. Now, I want, for the audience, a lot of times people will say, I want to get rid of my scars. And it's not scars, it's discoloration.
0: I see. Post-inflammatory
1: pigmentation. So a scar is an injury to the dermis. A little harder to deal with. Post-inflammatory pigmentation, we can get rid of it, just takes longer. Now, when you have this injury to the dermis, a scar One of the ways in which you can minimize the appearance, and we may not be able to completely eradicate them, and they're older scars, so they've, they've had a while to sit in, to set in, is that we stimulate collagen. The more collagen you stimulate, the more that you're going to see a difference in terms of evening out that superficial scarring. And, you know, of course, there's things that you can do from an aesthetic standpoint with lasers and things like that. But there's a lot that you can do topically that's absolutely pretty, really amazing. I mean, really amazing.
0: I just want to I just want to say one thing is it's interesting you said that because this. Uh, this concern specifically about the scarring that I told you about, Jan, I spoke to so many, you know, dermatologists about, and every time I would hear things like, well, yeah, you're going to have to do something, you know, invasive. And, and that's, to me, I think that's really interesting that you say that there's a lot of things we can do topically. And then the idea of this being a hyperpigmentation thing, you know, or, or, you know, post-inflammatory, post-inflammatory pigmentation. I mean, that's, I've never really, uh, you know, heard that perspective before. So that's uh-huh. definitely something to catch on to for everyone listening because I, you know, that this is something I've struggled with my whole life. So
1: so a lot of times if you've got a little bit more pigment in your skin, yeah. anytime you have an injury to the skin, you know, like an acne lesion or anything like that, what happens is, <clears throat> excuse me, the inflammation, as it's making its way to the surface, actually kind of compromises little blood vessels, makes them leak. Well, what are your blood vessels made of? Coloration, bilirubin, verdirubin, et cetera. And so what happens, depending on your pigmentation, it leaves a reddish mark. It leaves a purplish mark, a brownish, even blackish. And it's a matter of getting that out of the skin and how quickly we can do that. It oftentimes dissipates on its own, but it can just take a really long time. Now, the reason I asked you also, if you have ice pick scarring, ice pick scarring is something while we can improve the texture of the skin with ice pick scarring, it's very difficult to get an improvement in the scar itself. And the reason is, is because an ice pick scar gets its name because the surface of it looks like a little round hole. But underneath that, it actually goes deeper, almost in a triangular fashion, like an ice pick. So what happens is, let's say that somebody with ice pick scarring goes to a derm and says, hey, can you laser my skin? If you laser the skin and you kind of, go down some layers. What you do is you actually make the scarring worse because you're going down where it's scarring has actually gotten wider. So ice pick scarring is something where typically you excise it. And what you do is you do like a punch excision and you're literally removing the scar. And then the doctor stitches it back. And once it heals and the skin is even, then you can go back and resurface it and really get a wonderful result. Wow. Um, and there's other things. There's even, you know, a lot of newer modalities that are coming around. But the other type of scarring, which we call rolling, sort of rolling scars, boxcar scars, just divots, like little divots in the skin, we can improve them a lot texturally, a lot. And part of it is when your skin is really reflective, the light comes off the skin instead of going into those areas where it just literally draws the eye to them and makes them more noticeable. So I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of what we what we want to do as far as solutions so one of the things that i focus on a lot is something that i call resurfacing and resurfacing is a terminology i use because it's about taking the skin to a level where it's just really polished and radiant and it looks so refined and reflective and younger looking and it at the same time it should address a lot of common skin concerns. So maybe somebody has, again, acne, or they have rosacea, or they have discoloration, or uh, any number of common skin concerns, because we want to address all of that at the same time. So again, it's getting that skin to a level where it has that just wonderful, healthy glow, and it it just looks younger. And at the same time, you know, we're going to make the scars and everything look better as well, pigmentation, all of that. Um, so... We're going to do that is the main resurfacing tool and this is something that you we want to do on a consistent basis is we're going to start you off first of all with the skincare management system okay. and so the Jamarine skincare management system um, is really heavily on resurfacing and there's two things that i want to focus on for just a moment one is you can use the best cleanser in the world yeah it can be your water. It can be, you know, essential oils. It can be the best cleanser in the world and it can't get into your follicle. The Molecules are too large. And so acne and everything we talk about with pore size and all that, it starts in the follicle. Theoretically, if you were born with perfect skin and you never got acne, you could throw dirt on your face all the time and not break out because yeah. acne starts in the follicle. And when you have a lesion, that's the end of the process. So what we want to do is we want to prevent that. And we, again, we want to keep those follicles, that retentive matter, so that if the retentive matter doesn't cause that follicle to dilate. And so one of the things in the system is a glycolic cleanser, and you need to do this twice a day. So there's a tendency for people to think, well, you know, what did I do at night? I was just sleeping. I wasn't out in the environment, et cetera. So why do I need to wash my face? But it's important because what we're doing is we're really addressing that increased corneosclae cohesion, and we're re- addressing the retentive issues in the follicle. So, um, so that's the glycolic cleanser. Now, there's another product that I want to talk about for just a second that's in the system. That also has to do with some of these issues, and that's a product called BioClear, okay. one of my favorites. Now, BioClear is glycolic, salicylic, and azelaic acid. Azelaic acid is sold by prescription for acne. It's sold by prescription for rosacea. It's also one of the best resurfacing agents we've ever seen for the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. And it's a pigment lifting agent. So it evens out skin tone. And it's just, this is BioClear is amazing because it is one of the primary products that really has this effect on just resurfacing the skin. And then we have glycolic now, I could spend two hours talking about glycolic, but active all the skincare ingredients in the entire world that have been studied medically. And we're talking about histological studies and biopsies and medical conferences. There are two that have been studied more than any other. One are retinoids and the other is glycolic acid. Now at the very simplest level, glycolic acid dissolves and dislodges the glue like substance or cellular cement between cells but it's not abrasive and it's not inflammatory. It's actually an anti-inflammatory. And it does this on the outside of the skin. So again, in terms of that increased corneocyc cohesion, it completely normalizes the epidermis. Um, it, it, it's interesting, glycolic acid, for example, if you had mild psoriasis, which is an autoimmune disease where cells turn over every four to six days instead of every you know, 28 days, so they're actually premature cells, it would normalize that. Oh, wow. If you, had, if you had ichthyosis, a dry skin disease, you could put all the lotion in the world on it and it, it won't touch it, but I could completely normalize it with glycolic. And on the other hand, if you have oily skin, it uh, stops. It helps interrupt this process in the follicle. And technically, chemically, glycolic acid, despite its name, yeah. is actually a moisturizer because it stimulates mucopolysaccharides and ceramides and phospholipids and hyaluronic acid in your skin. Right. And not oh. that, if we looked at all the thousands of studies where they have done <clears throat> biopsies and really studied this in depth, <clears throat> you would see where it stimulates substantial collagen wow. so you see how I can address your the appearance of your acne scarring the resurfacing your skin's going to look so much brighter it's going to have that it's that it, it also helps with that dullness now. That's that's those two products in there focus on that specifically. But then um, there, everything in the system is designed to support the kinds of issues that you have addressed and even others that you really haven't. So you know, I always say to people: when you look in the mirror and you start to see certain aging changes, oh, my follicles are looking larger. Um, my complexion is, is duller, or it's not as um, even toned. Um, uh, what, we, what we see when we look in the mirror is 90 to 95% of that is sun exposure, most of which was programmed on our skin before the age of 10. It takes 10, 20, 30 years to show up at least 50% before the age of 20. And that's even if it's just incidental sun exposure. You weren't a sunbather, thank goodness. But uh, or would, it would be worse. So um, what we also want to do with the system and with something else that I'm going to provide to you is that we want to address a lot of that and hopefully even be able to reverse a good deal of that. And so that's the system supports that. Now, I want to talk about something specific because this is going to actually go to the... Um, issue of your kind of wanting your skin to be more even tone, but also having to do even more also with the acne scarring. Um, And one of the things that the system does, by the way, is it's going to make a huge difference in sort of the sporadic breakout. If your breakout doesn't kind of completely coincide because there's no cure for acne, but we can manage it so you have complete total clearing, then there's something else that I would want to add into your system called duality. But for right now, I want to talk for a moment about the um, sort of the uneven skin mm-hmm. tones. And I said to you that everybody by the age of 35 has that issue, right? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, why? And so it's just what it is. It's just that it's, it's, it's the sun damage has been programmed into the skin. Now think about this, everyone, in order for you to have pigment you have to have something called active tyrosinase, which is in the epidermis. If you didn't have active tyrosinase, you'd be an albino. So you go out in the sun, and what happens is the minute you go out in the sun, UV radiation stimulates pigment. And one of the ways, reasons it does that is because it's an immediate reaction. Your, your skin is trying to protect itself. So for some individuals, depending on your ethnicity, depending on how much sun damage you've had, depending on your age, you could go outside for 10 minutes and all of a sudden you've got brown spots. Now, are you sitting in a hot car? Some people sit in a hot car and they start to get discolored. But think about this. How many times would you see a 10-year-old with melasma, chalasma, or solar litigines? Would never happen. Right. And maybe that 10-year-old has a swimming pool in the backyard and they're out there constantly, or a 15-year-old. So what it is, it's it's the way that your skin deals with it over time and the fact that it doesn't have the same ability to repair it as it did when you were younger. So one of the things that I'm going to give you to go with your system is something called Luminate. Now, Luminate is something that not only has Tyrosinase inhibitors, which help to keep that tyrosinase from kind of being over, uh, you know, overreactive when you go out in the sun. But also, we have something called a melanocyte stimulating hormone. And everybody has it, and we pretty much have the same amount, whether you have really a lot of pigment or whether you're really fair skin. Uh, you may mm-hmm. produce more when you're pregnant or on birth control pills. But what it does, it plays a role in genetically how do you react to the sun differently than someone else? And for the first time, we've got something that actually downregulates this melan- melanocyte-stimulating hormone. Oh, wow. uh, this product, by the way, was actually, the study was actually presented, written up in the Journal of Drugs and Dermatology, which is a peer-reviewed medical journal. It can take weeks, months, years to get into this journal because it's not something where you typically see skincare products. You see some very serious medical issues. And um, it actually went Head-to-head comparison with prescription hydroquinone yeah. actually out outperformed prescription hydroquinone, um, and the other thing that this has in it, it has uh, turmeric. Now, turmeric is an incredible tyrosinase inhibitor. For centuries, put it on the skin in India, even in a matter of days, you could get some nice, even-looking skin tone. But the thing is, when they're wearing it, they're bright yellow. yes exactly so even if you take turmeric root you don't get really get the active chemical so we were able to take the active chemical and make it colorless and it's also anti-aging anti-inflammatory and finally I'm getting to the good part finally we have the retinoid now I have to really look at this this retinoid you're using when they talk about 800 8,000 units Um, I'm a little Skeptical on that because, in, in general, you talk about retinoids like a prescription retinoid. You talk about it, the weakest one would be 0.025, the middle one would be 0.05, you know, 0.1. Um, and you basically, even the, the strongest is one tenth of 1%. Right. Um, the way that retinol works is you have an enzyme in your skin, you put retinol on it. And immediately that enzyme changes it into retinoic acid or tretinoin, which is the active ingredient in the prescription retinoid. Now, the reason if I ask people and I'll say, well, so what do you think is the difference between retinol and prescription you know, retin-A or whatever? I Nine know. times out of 10, they're gonna say, well, retin-A is stronger. And that's true and it's not true. Now, when you have a conversion, i'm going to I'm, I'm actually getting to an important point here, so bear with me. Oh. <laughs> when you have a conversion and yeah. you put um, something on the skin and it has to convert, you know sometimes it takes you lose something. it could be two to one, it could be three to one, five to one. You maybe you need six times as much to get to the same end point. Well, in this case, it's ten to one. I need ten times as much retinol to equal. What you would see in the prescription. Now you'd say, okay, well, that's not rocket science. Just use 10 times as much. Well, Dr. Kligman, who is arguably the most famous derm in the world, he's been dead a number of years now, he invented Retin A, University of Pennsylvania, and then licensed it out to various companies. Now he said through the years in his career over and over again, and he was a prolific inventor, he said retinol is actually more bioavailable and works better. So why didn't he? go out the gate with retinol. Well, the reason is, is because when you make it equal, when you do that 10 to one, you actually, if you do 10 times more retinol to equal it, you actually, it's more difficult to acclimate to. I used to joke and say, it's like you could take paint off walls with it. It's really difficult to use. So consequently, you find very small amounts in your over-the-counter products because that way people don't get all peely and red and and have some kind of a skin reaction. And so while it's still a good product, you don't get the same type of efficacy you get with the prescription. But then people don't want to acclimate to the prescription. So one of our claims to fame is that we actually were able to take that 10 to 1, 10 times and get it to equal or even go beyond a prescription. And in the study of patients have no acclimation. The other 22% have maybe a slight bit of mild redness or maybe a little bit of flaking and then you just use it every other night in the beginning in order to acclimate. And not only that, but it has peptides and anti-inflammatories and other things that are really supportive and um, help with, all of your various issues because one of the things that certain peptides do now peptides we barely scratch the surface because there are a lot of peptides that that aren't just for aging but what they do is they kind of fool your skin into thinking they're wounded it's wounded and what does it do it produces a lot more collagen produces all the factors that goes into healing and so it helps with fine lines and wrinkles it helps with the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles and appearance of acne scars things like that so Actually, in the study, we had the derm in the, the study that we did actually said, I will no longer prescribe a prescription retinoid to my patients unless they beg for it because this works so much better. Wow. So you're going to get that incorporated with that whole lightning issue as well. Um, and that's one that you're only going to be, you only have to use that one at night. Now, there are other things that, we can do along the way. So one of the things I always say to people is I always say, you know, what we're doing today is we're kind of giving you an overall program to address your general concerns and also to your specific concern like pore size and maybe even as a skin tone. But I always say you, sh- you have to continue to work with people because lifestyle changes, seasons change, you modify programs. And the last thing I always say is that if Hector were to tell me a month from now, Jan, my skin is the best it's ever been, my answer to her would be, well, good, great, because I can get it a whole lot better. And again, there are so many things that we haven't even talked about that can t- take you to a greater and greater, 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 greater level of skin rejuvenation. And, you know, unlike our hair, which is dead, you know, skin has this remarkable ability to respond. And be able to, to regenerate on so many levels. And today, um, and that's what I'm kind of devoted to, is researching and finding these technologies that really are solutions.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I can, I can definitely tell that, you know, I mean, that's phenomenal. I've just been, I've been very quiet for everyone listening. I've been very quiet because this is really breakthrough stuff here, Jan. I mean, this is phenomenal. Um, what you just explained, because I'm not going to lie to you, you know, when it comes to things like retinol, when it comes to that idea of peeling and, you know, the acclimation process, which you explained, you know, those are things that I have never understood you know it's like yeah it's like you know you use a product you start peeling and then you're like well is this even good for me or not and that's something that actually for with me with retinol I'll tell you honestly I struggled with that for a long Mm -hmm. time Why I was not using it because every time I would use retinol it wasn't just the peeling it would make my acne come back and I was like you know what this is this the right thing for me to be doing? You know? So,
1: I mean, that's very interesting. um, Everything that you explained. Well, you know, it's interesting that you said that about the, about your prescription um, retinoid. So what happens when you have retentive material in the follicle, which either is going to give you a dilated follicle, or you're going to have breakouts is that that retentive material, when you start to clear it, it has to go somewhere. Now for a lot of people, It just kind of like maybe they get a a few little breakouts and but they notice their skin looks much better overall and it's clearing a lot faster Um, or it's a little bit more intense. And so one of the reasons that I talked about the duality product um, and possibly adding that in and for people that maybe have where their acne is a little bit more active is that there is something in there that actually goes after C acne bacteria And so it literally almost stops the breakout cold, but most people, um, and they don't have to go through that transition period. Most people don't with a prescription retinoid, oftentimes they will go through that. And so it's difficult when somebody says to you, oh yeah, this is great for your acne. By the way, your skin's going to look a whole lot worse before it looks better. Right. That that doesn't that doesn't seduce me. It doesn't entice me at all. Oh, so um, and that's why it's really good for somebody to monitor because these are little modifications that can make a huge difference. And um, one of the things I'm also going to send you talk to you, we're, we're going to kind of keep for the future. So when Ectus says to me, "Yeah, Jan, my skin is really great and it's you know it's glowing and all of that," then there are things we can fine tune because you you have more time to spend on your skin at night. Well, one of the things that we have is the Marini multi-acid, I'm going to get the name wrong, it's clear corrective pads. What, they, what it is, is a jar that these pads are pre-soaked with a certain combination of acids. Yeah. And also there's an ingredient in there that makes this huge difference in discoloration in terms of the leftover discoloration from when somebody breaks out And also helps probably with the appearance of acne scarring as well. And just everything, texture and everything. And it's it's such a fun product because all you do is after you clean your skin, you wipe it on, leave it on for about 10 minutes, and then you rinse it off and go with the rest of your program. But it completely resurfaces and it gets better and better progressively over time. You know, it's something somebody can use two or three times a week. So there's things like this that we add into your program that as we determine you know where your skin is at what we need to do next and that's why i always say that list that's your runway that list you gave me think about how you feel about your skin if somebody can address every one of your concerns and either resolve them or greatly resolve them right right
0: explain the science of it, you know, for me, it just, this is so, so cool for me to be doing this with you right now, because I have never had anyone that could explain to me why the things that are happening in my skin, whether it was when I was a teenager or like in college or now that why is it that they're all tied together and what is the process because that was one of my biggest questions jen honestly like it's like you you've just answered a lifelong question for me that i've had is this idea of well why is it that when i break out you know i i noticed this and my pore size is bigger but i'm not breaking out and then when you said the oil thing one thing i wanted to ask you is you mentioned um you know uh cutie bacterium acne and i wanted to ask you about um people out there with oily skin should there be something that we're doing to help you know I guess reduce that exposure or that availability of that bacteria to the oil that it
1: well you know, that's where duality comes in but also here's the yeah. thing about oily skin it's not going to you yeah. young longer really it's the oil is designed to push those cells to the surface And oftentimes people with with even really oily skin have more transepidermal moisture loss than people with dry skin because they have more inflammation. So just to talk about oil for a moment. First of all, the amount of oil you have on the outside of your skin is a representation of what gets out, not how much you produce. So some days maybe more oil gets to the surface of your skin. Some days less oil because maybe there is more oil trapped in the follicle. And so you can't really address um, unless you're going to disable the oil glands or maybe through some some lasers will lessen the oil production but what you whatever oil you produce that's what you produce but what you can do is when you completely when you clear that follicle and you also resurface the skin
0: yeah
1: your skin looks dewy not oily okay it looks reflective not shiny there's a difference right Right. So, um, and everything is just much more evenly distributed and it has a completely different look about it. And so you kind of use that to your advantage um, and it just makes the skin look so reflective. And sometimes people actually will say in the beginning, when we completely clear their skin, they'll say, well, you know, my skin is actually a little more oily on the surface than it was, but it looks so different and it looks good. And people are constantly telling me, oh my gosh, your skin looks so dewy and so fresh. So that's what we want to do. And there's other, another thing that I'm going to throw out, which is kind of a, just, you can guys can keep in your back pocket. There are a certain percentage of individuals. That's a very small percentage that are not responsive, that their acne is recalcitrant. Mm. And it's, it's, it's very, it's very rare that I come across this, or we don't get them to that point. Maybe they respond, but you know, you want to get to complete, I want people to get to complete total clearing. I want to manage it and keep them completely clear. And so um, here's what happens inside your follicle. You have certain enzymes, isozyme type two, isozyme type uh, isom type one and isom type two. Known collectively is 5a reductase, you have them up here in your scalp follicles, and then outside of your follicle, you have hormones. Hopefully, you have estrogen, progesterone, you have testosterone. We women have almost as much testosterone as men, except our testosterone is bound by proteins, it's like having a sack around it. Don't get a, you know, we don't get a, a deep voice and a hairy chest and a beard. But what yeah. we Find with women, probably as much as maybe even as much as 95, 98% of females that have adult female acne is that they're producing a little bit of free testosterone or they have a testosterone sensitivity. It's not going to show up in a blood test. It's not like having polycystic ovary. It's it's so there's a wide range of normal. So it's not something that's going to show up as being abnormal, but it's enough that it gets together with the enzymes in the follicle. They shake hands and produce dihydrotestosterone and it's that acne that is persistent underneath the chin the jawline on the chin now Mm -hmm. most of the time we can deal with that because guess what we even have a blocker in duality but in the rare cases where this is just it's just a real issue then what I tell people I say talk to your physician and so after you're your own physician (laughs) and what you want to do is there's something called spironolactone. You've heard of that. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's very low dose. It's like 50 to 150 milligrams a day. And what it does is it does one thing and one thing only in this case. It keeps those two from shaking hands. It puts a wall up between them. But I'll tell you what else it does. It actually cuts oil production about 60 to 80%. It doesn't make the skin dry. It just normalizes the oil production. Um. There's been some studies over the years when I first started talking about this, you know, the only time people thought about it was polycystic ovary. And I was lecturing on it at a lot of conferences. And um there was a study, I think I don't think it came out of the UK, that talked about how it also helps to cut cravings for salt, sugar, and chocolate. Interesting. That's right. Uh, the other thing that it does is that when we get into our 20s, 30s, and beyond, what do we notice? Well, a lot of women say, you know what, it's really interesting but I'm growing more hair on my face and eventually less hair on your head. And so what it does is because it interacts in the follicles everywhere, it also lessens facial hair and it helps to stop female pattern baldness, which happens about 50% of the time. And, um, and so it actually can increase um, the, 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 the amount of hair right
0: not i mean that's very interesting to me because this idea of and and this is i feel like we could do an entire series just on this is this androgen uh, aspect is that you know androgen like just how they are impacting women in terms of just you know premenopause, perimenopause um throughout your life because that's something that i think we all deal with is this hair growth around you know certain areas of our face as we age like you said and also the um the idea that you know, with PCOS, I think that's such an interesting thing that you brought up because that's a topic I'm very, very uh, passionate about. I actually, um, you know, had PCOS and now it's completely controlled and I'm, I'm managing it. But the problem that I noticed is that, you know, it, it was the hair, but then it was also the acne that was around where the hair is growing. It wasn't like yes. the acne up randomly right it was like the acne and the hair are in the same place so it was very very interesting um and that really ties into what you said and makes sense now for me um when so I'm thinking you know, about-
1: well pco as you know polycystic ovary is where you produce cysts benign- in the ovary but what happens is and oftentimes people will go to their doctor because not because they think they have polycystic but they'll say doctor why am i getting this horrible acne because it can be really bad acne But what happens is, is it causes the uh, insulin levels to go up. And one of the things that happens with this in the body to get those levels back down to more normal is you produce testosterone. So, um, so it's, it's, um, it's just kind of a, a vicious cycle and spironolactone can be a real miracle for the kind of cosmetic elements of that because it keeps the testosterone from being an issue having to do with the facial acne. And and as you know, diet is really important. Also diet, the diet that you would the very low carb diet that individuals go on also is wonderful for the skin and just very healthy in general
0: exactly no I, absolutely i think the low carb diet is is very very interesting to me because it's it's definitely that insulin uh issue that you addressed because you know what, what i noticed is that you know because i was dealing with pcos i mean this is for for everyone listening you know you might not at all relate with this but for those of you who have dealt with it you know, it's, you notice a night and day difference, you know, and this really goes back to one of our earlier episodes in the, in this series, Jan, when you were explaining to us about the, the role of sugar and the role of, you know, just the, how much load, you know, like your glycemic load, like what your body has throughout the day. And I think this topic is, I mean, this is where it gets so interesting to me, right? With skin, because all of these factors tie in it's not a one fix, you know, solution for anything. So I think that this is, this is remarkable, you know, the way you're explaining it.
1: Well, I, um, you know, there are just, there's so many things that we can do. And unfortunately, we all get inundated with huge numbers and enormous numbers of things that really don't work or are just pseudoscience. But what you can really do the skin is remarkable. And again, you know, I always say, I don't need another product. I want a solution. Yeah. Yeah. And the solution is so, and you know, what's interesting is that
0: everything you've explained to me here today, it even further validates for me this notion that I've always had, you know, studying medicine. I always like, it's like, I realized by the end of my medical training, Jan, I was genuinely convinced that everything has to do with hormones. I was convinced. Like nobody could convince me otherwise, because I was like, you know what, your body is not doing this like targeted, you know, like target therapies. It's a entire system that's working. And so when you're talking to me, you know, about everything that, you know, I explained to you about my own concerns. I'm sitting here thinking about just how our body regulates our normal hormones and circulates them and uses them and, you know, pushes them where they need to go. And all of this has to be looked at in a more holistic way. I mean, there are so many companies now, which, you know, I know you and I have discussed before, and there's so many people out there that are saying, well, this is a spot treatment, or this is a targeted treatment for just this. And it's like, you know what, that is completely like opposite and contradictory to how the human body functions. That's just not how it works inside of the you body. Know,
1: I, yeah. So true. And, you know, it used to be a number of years ago uh, when I'm, I'm a member of the American Academy of anti-aging medicine. And, um, and I was, I've spoken at the conference several times, but uh, there was a period we went through where, you know, one of the ways that we look at females is females are really challenged because literally once a female stops menstruating, literally nature says you're done. We don't need you anymore, and it's like a lot of those receptor sites that are that, that the hormones. It's like there are keys to open those receptor sites and to sort of keep us young and vital and energetic. Um, we have to find other ways. We have to find workarounds, and it's so it's it and it all works together because when you are vital. And when you are functioning in a way in which, um, I'm, and one of the things I'm going to say is that aging is actually a disease mm-hmm. it's an inflammatory process. And, you know, we haven't figured out that, you know, how to not die, but you really don't have to age in terms of being incapacitated for many years before you do die. And so it's, it's about that whole internal working and the skin and the body and all of that just goes together. Yeah
0: exactly no that's absolutely and I think you know it's it's really really refreshing for me you know I can't tell you to be able to to, to hear you say this because, you know, aging, it, it, I kid you not, you know, when I first got into skincare and I guess skin health in general, that was my biggest thing was people are like, oh, anti-aging, anti-aging. Well, you can't stop it. It's a literal process of decay of the human body, which is something that you notice in electronics. Everything decays, everything deteriorates over time. And so it's our job to figure out where is this starting and where are the axes. Right. I mean, in the human body, we talk about the hormonal axes and we talk about the neuro, uh, you know, the, the neuronal axes and all of these things and yeah. what that, you know, nobody is discussing this stuff. Nobody sitting down and saying, listen. It's not going to be fixed by that one dietary supplement that you take every day or that one medicine that you take, like metformin, for example, you know, I'm not going to go on a tangent, but you know, you know, metformin is prescribed like freaking, you know, candy these days. And they're saying that, you know, the metformin fixes everything. It fixes insulin resistance, it fixes PCOS, it fixes this, that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and the, that's the problem I think that consumers and for everyone listening, I think one thing really take away from the amount of knowledge that that Janice has been sharing with us is that the approach that she's taking is so novel and it's so breakthrough because it's a whole like full approach you know what I mean it's not a it's not that you know fix this part and band-aid this up and do that no it's about re like kind of I guess resetting your system right I mean, I, I think that's the best way I can uh, explain it is resetting your system. So you know, I,
1: I talk about metformin a lot and yeah. I think there's definitely um, a role and it's a breakthrough in many ways because again, it causes us to look at aging as more of a disease. But, you know, one of the things too, you mentioned hormones, but it's also about sirtuins. We have mm-hmm. about sirtuins, anti-aging genes and metformin, I think, Addresses two of them, only two. Um, addresses it in an interesting way, supposedly because what it does is it creates a little bit of, it lets off a little free radicals into cells. Now you know we hear free radicals are really horrible. Well, nothing's all bad, nothing's all good. The body likes a little bit of stress. Now too much stress, like if I step on a snail, that's too much stress. That snail is not going to recover. <laughs> if I take it to the emergency room. It's not going to. You're not going to be able to do anything. But if a little bit of stress sometimes is good. And so one of the ways it works is that it actually provides enough of a stress that it apparently turns on a couple of sartuans, but that's just a piece of the puzzle mm-hmm. It's a good piece of the puzzle, but this puzzle. And unfortunately at this point, we've only, we only been able to put together one tiny little corner of this 25,000 piece puzzle, but that's what's so exciting because um, there's so much going on in, in these areas of, of research and, um, that you know, we're gonna see more and more things uncovered.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And you know what? This has been amazing, Jan. Thank you so much for this. I mean, I hope everyone listening, you guys have learned because I've learned a lot about my own skin. I mean I- idea that this is what I was dealing with for pretty much my whole life I mean honestly I mean and that's not me just saying that I, I swear to you guys because I've gone to many dermatologists I've talked to many of my colleagues and the way that you explain things to me Jan I've never heard anyone address it that way and I just I thank you so much for doing this this has been you
1: know what? A- so fun it's such a pleasure I yeah. can't wait to get your feedback and also you know we'll we're we're, going to be talking again soon so yeah yeah we are we are and everyone listening
0: i really urge you if this has not convinced you please go check out jan's website and book a consultation for your skin health do that for yourself give yourself a treat okay put down sephora Put down the the magazine and the the latest hype and the go and figure out what's really going on with your skin. And it's not because, you know, I love Jan because I do. Love, Jan, I love you <laughs> <But> because she <laughs> knows what she's doing and she, her approach. I can honestly tell you as a physician to hear someone um, as knowledgeable as her speak the way she does about it and understand it the way she does. This is something that you're not going to see really anywhere else. This is very, very unique for someone to understand skin health like this. So I really urge all of you out there, go book a consultation, let us know what you think. And um, if you have any questions for Jan's team, leave them in the comments as always. And Jan, thank you so much. I can't wait for part Um, five.
1: (laughs) Again, my pleasure. And thank you, everyone that's been listening, because I wouldn't be here without you. And we'll talk again soon. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Bye.